Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So who's ready for some fire and brimstone? Brother Bill, you ready? (laughs) The only fire that's going to occur today is from the good Lord striking down lightning right here. (laughs) (laughs) So, I've got 20 minutes, they tell me, and I'll do my best to stick to it. I have to to get back there, so I'm figuring out how Josh's day goes. (laughs) But that's how part of this sermon came about, was talking with Pastor Josh really a year or two ago as, as, as we deal with multiple generations within a church. And for me personally, it, it happened in the workplace as we have a, a business and I'm involved in some other things to where there's multiple generations that are involved and, and you're trying to figure out all the generations whether they're boomers that are in your fold or Xers in your fold or millennials that are in your fold. And so as I started studying them a number, a good number of years ago, five, six, seven years ago, to help me in my journey and path and leadership, I knew I had to study the generations because we all have some characteristics about ourselves, regardless of what we try to do or try not to do, because the generational differences occur because of the time frame we were raised in and the technologies we did have or the technologies we did not have, the generational events that some of you remember, things like Pearl Harbor or John F. Kennedy assassination or the 9-11, all those events shape us and mold us into who we are, and then technology added on to really just compound the scenario. And then the other thing that really affects us as generations is the parenting. And so... There are some generational things that we need to think about as a group or a body of people. So as I was talking to Pastor Josh about this, it was really from a church standpoint, not a business standpoint, although we are kind of a business to a certain degree, but we blend all the generations. And so we want to turn that tug of war sometimes into a steam of locomotive. And so part of today, and Pastor Josh is very good about this, is talking about being uncomfortable because we have to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable. Because the only way progress is made is through discomfort, right? Comfort is the enemy of progress. And so today we want to talk about a few key words that revolve around generations and whether they're strengths or weaknesses or how they may apply for all generations, whether you're a boomer, an Xer, or a millennial. And to, to, to reestablish that, so the boomer generation is from 1946 to 1964. The extra generation, which is what I am, from 1965 to about 1980. And then the generation, the, the, the millennials are from 1980 to about 1995. And so part of this comes from the fact that I think many of us have heard the term millennial in a very negative connotation. But for me and my journey has been figuring out my negative connotations because I was in that camp. (laughs) Oh, they're lazy, they can't do this, they're terrible, blah, 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 blah. Who's ever done that? (laughs) I'm guessing that the previous generations did the same thing about our generation. (laughs) 
But as leaders and people in the church, is we have to figure out what those are and work through them and work together on them. But the simple fact of the matter is remains for millennials is the fact that uh, there are many rock stars, and the rock star millennials, they're better than us. And we have to get to that point of thinking because they're going to carry us forward because at this point in time, they're over 50% of our workforce, and at this point in time, they're right at 40% of our, our population. So comfort is the enemy of progress. Go to the next slide. The seven deadly words. Who remembers Pastor Sue saying this last week? I mean... Did that not ring in your ears a little bit? <laughs> we haven't ever done it that way. And we can get stuck in our routines, our journeys, the things that we do all day, every day, but we need to challenge the status quo. And this is in there because guess what the millennials love to do? Challenge the status quo. Question it. Some of us have a real hard time with them questioning it. Who has a hard time with that? It's okay. I'm one of them. But we need to get used to that and understand they're not asking it for a bad reason. They're asking it so we can advance forward. And this church, thank you to you guys, doesn't have a big problem with that because we've expanded our wings and you guys have so humbly allowed us to go back and form this refuge service, which is beyond awesome. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I, I talk to audiences all over the nation, and, and, and they're not church audiences, but all my talks have a Christian or religious overtone, and sometimes I get, I've had an atheist come up to me, I've had a couple people from France come up to me that disagreed with a few things, and so when I can be up in front of a group of people and say, can I get an amen? That is awesome. Next slide. So the first words we're going to talk about is communication, and this is something that we're going to talk about us Xers and Boomers, number one problem. Communication. You guys know why this is a problem for the Xers and Boomers? There's probably a little bit of truth to that. We don't know how to speak in emojis. <laughs> it's a problem because it's how we were raised. Because our parents didn't speak a lot either. Who, who had parents that, you know, didn't talk a lot and especially didn't talk about the bad thing? We're just, that's, we'll talk about that privately. Maybe not that, but we're just not going to talk. Or if you're like me when it comes to other things, when I was in sixth grade and my dad came home and said, Nels, it's time to go to work. I've got a farm job lined up for you. You're going to ride with Tony Potter, and away you're going to go. Did I say anything back to him? <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> if I'd have said something back to him, you know what would have happened, right? <laughs> a boot, right? You know. <laughs> So that's how we were raised. You know, it was, that was the expectation. You didn't question anything. You just did it. Which consequently, you fast forward 20 years down the road in your life, makes us poor communicators. And as, as that slide says, the one on the right says, us Gen Xers, boomers, and males are not good at it. <laughs> and if you are two of the three, you really have to work at it. Are the males listening? <laughs> Your wives want to know. Because <laughs> the average female says 27,000 words a day, and the average male says about seven to 8,000 words a day. And my kids say about 35,000 words a day. 
But we have to work on communication. There's 422,000 words in the English dictionary. And in my opinion, communication has got to be one of the most important ones. Because as we try to do things in this church, we've got to talk about it. We've got to communicate about it. We just can't hide it. We've got to talk about it. Pastor Josh does a tremendous job of letting people communicate to him with problems and whatever so we don't have things that fester into blisters, blisters fester into abscesses and you know, so on and so forth. But we've got to communicate. Good communication is the bridge between confusion and clarity. And as in Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. This machine right here, social media has really challenged God and us with Ephesians 4.29. We've got to work on these things. We have to learn to set some boundaries for those who can't, some guardrails for those who can't. Maybe it's our kids, maybe it's the people around us, maybe it's our community, maybe it's in our church, but communication we have to work at. And that is something us Xers and boomers have to get better at. Next slide. Patience. So this one. We've talked about us Xers and boomers. Now it's time for the millennials. And patience is a challenge for the millennial generation. And it will be a challenge for Generation Z. Now I'd also back up and say that because of these things right here, <laughs> we are all going to have challenges with patience. Who agrees with that? We all want it when? What's that song? I want it now. <laughs> we want it now. You know part of the reason we want it now? Is because we can get most anything now. This thing right here called Amazon. I can go in there Pick that. I've ordered this once, so I'm buying it again. <laughs> Buy now. What's preparing my order? Next service. <laughs> you got to be there done. Guess what? I'll have it in two days. And if you live where my sister and my brother-in-law live in Denver, Colorado, they can have it in two hours. Two hours. So as I work with the rock star millennials that I interact with every day and I talk with them routinely about patience, just, you know, be patient. Let the journey happen. It will happen. Don't Fast forward, otherwise you might get what you wish for and may not be good. I think we all need some patience. And as that slide says, the ability to delay pleasure or gratification is an indication of the level of maturity. And you see those marshmallows in that slide. That's a very intentional slide, and it's about a study at the University of Stanford that was conducted from 1968 to 1972 where they studied kids, about is it 1,400 or 1,700 kids, and they put them in a room and they set them at a chair and a table, and they put a marshmallow, marshmallow or something else in front of them. And they said, okay, 
you got to be in this room. I don't remember the time. It was 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it was. They put him in the room, put the marshmallow in front of him, and said, if you don't eat that marshmallow, we'll come back in. We'll give you another marshmallow. But they had to wait and sit there and stare at that marshmallow. (laughs) Guess what happened? So they studied the data. I'm not going to give you the actual data on who waited and who didn't, but they followed it up with more of a life study at the University of Stanford. They followed those people, 1,400 to 1,700, whatever the number. They followed them through in life. Guess what happened to the kids that did not eat the marshmallow and waited for the second one? They had greater success in life. They were able to mentally delay pleasure at four to seven years of age. I can't remember the, the age of the, the study patients. They were, they were able to delay pleasure. And as in Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we talked about communication. Now we're talking about patience. And, and millennials and Gen Z have really got to work, work on this, but all of us have to work on it because we can't plant one seed or a bunch of seeds and expect 200 bushel corn in two weeks, Right? going to take some time. Nurtured properly, maybe we'll hit that 300 mark. A man is only as mature as his level of self-control. That is all about patience. I wasn't always patient in my life. My wife is very glad I'm where I'm at today. I I call it Nell's version 12.0. I started at 1.0, I'm at 12, and she is thrilled that I'm at 12. We have to work on patience. The next slide. Do you worry? So we've talked about communication. We've talked about patience. Now we're going to talk about worrying. And the reason we're talking about this is because the things I study in terms of the veterinary industry, and if some of you may not know, I'm a veterinarian, and in the veterinary world, this is a very hot topic right now with our younger generation veterinarians about the level of worry and the level of anxiety they're experiencing in their life to the point of we're seeing an increase in suicidal rates in veterinarians in America. So it's a real deal. I've worried before such that to, this, to the point of when I was a little kid, when we were, would be at the lake and my parents would be on the boat and my sister and I would be on the land and they'd be gone for an hour and I would worry, did the boat capsize? Did it spill over? Did they drown? Are they dead? Or whatever. And they show back up and they're just fine. Who's ever worried like that? <laughs> Worst case scenarios. Fast forward a number of years to my professional life, I don't want to worried so much at one point, but I worried enough that I worked myself into an anxiety attack one day. It was specifically June 15th, 2016, when I had some real struggles going on, and I, and I had a meteor shower of what-ifs playing in my brain, just nonstop. I couldn't let it go. I wasn't going to the good Lord with those challenges. And I'm sitting there on the golf course with my son, and he's hitting balls off the tee box, off the driving range. And I'm like breathing, and I'm thinking, oh, what if this happens? What if that? Oh, my God, this could go bad. Oh, no, please. Uh, All of a sudden, I'm like, I couldn't breathe. Who's ever had that happen? You don't have to raise your hand. I used to think that those people were not mentally tough. I was raised by a German mother that was very tough. I thought that wasn't a real deal until it happened to me. 
We worry. We have anxiety that gets to us. Go to the next slide. We'll come back to that one. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It is in those times, and I don't want you to worry today, because after the first service in here, I had a great, lovely lady come up to me afterwards. She said, now you just made me worry some more. It's not the goal of the talk. The goal of this talk is to think about Philippians 4, 6 and what we need to do when we're in those moments. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. Now go back to the previous slide. Because there was a study done on 1,200 nursing home patients. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time worrying. The most common answer given... To what their meaning of life was. 1,200 people in a nursing home asked, asked to them what is the meaning of life. They responded with the most common answer of, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time worrying. Is that not powerful? People sitting there all day reflecting on life, reflecting on what's happened, where they've been, what they've done looking at things in the face, they're telling us, don't do it. That hurts the meaning of life. Fast forward to the next slide. Uh, so as we think about communication, we think about patience, we think about worrying, even anxiety. And by the way, if you struggle with worry or anxiety, there's a great book by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing. If you do struggle with this, you don't have to write it down, but keep it in your mind. If you contact me, whatever, it's a great book. The next book you should read is called The Five-Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Tremendous books on worrying and anxiety. But as we think about communication and patience leading up to worry all the way up to anxiety, the good Lord is telling us to not be anxious, but come to him and speak to him. He is begging us when we are struggling when we are in the valleys of the shadow of death, when we are at our greatest vulnerable moments and we have things going on around us that we don't have the answers why. He is begging us to seek him, to talk to him, to pray to him with great thanksgiving. We do those things. He will tell us why. He will help us get through it. You can dedicate a decade of anxious thoughts to the brevity of life and not extend it one minute. Worry accomplishes nothing. And let's live out Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with great, great thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I know Pastor Josh would promise us if we do that, he will help us, he will be there for us in our greatest time of need. In your greatest time of need. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. 
please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.